You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. In Joshua chapter 2, I love the book of Joshua. I told you that. I, I thought, man, but... I thought to myself, man, three or four years ago, I preached through a series on this, and I looked at my notes, and it was like nine years ago, uh, so, um, so it was long enough that I felt justified to be able to preach through the series again, and chapter two is just one of those dynamite chapters. It's one of those you just love to, to read and uh, preach about, and the following chapters. All of them are so good and so encouraging how the Lord works with people. Tonight, I want to I wanna preach about uh, Rahab professes faith in the one true God. Rahab professes faith in the one true God. Now, before we read, can you just look up here and listen one more time? Well, just listen all night long. That'd be a blessing, but, but look up here one more time. Uh, how many remembers the day you got saved? If you had to give a testimony, you'd give a testimony about it tonight. You have no problem doing that. Do you remember how God brought you to that place and how your faith, uh, that faith of God came to you and God gave you the faith because even the faith that we have to place in him is a gift from God. But do you remember how that faith began to grow? And you, you stopped and realized some things about God. And things started coming together in your heart and mind about the Lord. You remember that day? Nine years God worked in my heart. I was just nine years old when I got saved. But for nine years God had messages preached about how great God is and what a sinner man was. Until one night, during a revival service, um, the Word of God struck my heart and I placed my faith in Jesus Christ and that great God. Notice how Rahab, how God works her up to where she professes faith in the one true God here tonight. Joshua chapter 2, let's read through the chapter, it's an exciting chapter, and be reminded of these events again. Verse 1, the Bible says... And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, no doubt they had their spies out, uh, saying, Behold, there came men in, in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all, um, search out all the country. Now these guys, you, you got to know when they're running up to them and talking to them, the whole time their knees are, are knocking back and forth, and their bones are trembling in their body. The whole time they're running up saying, We, we saw spies coming in here from the Israelites. So how do you know that? Well, we'll see it here in a minute. Verse 4. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. I don't know where they came from. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. I don't know where they went. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. 
as opposed to the Chevy guys in here. They ran to the Fords. <laughs> or those places where you could easily cross over the, the swollen river, all right? Pursued after them the way to Jordan under the Fords, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, now listen to this statement, guys. I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that how many? All the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you. That was a long time ago, but that testimony still rings out. When you came out of Egypt and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites, this is more recent, that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, listen to what she says, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage, notice these words, in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, is this highlighted in your Bible? It ought to be or underlined or something. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Can we just pause and say an amen to that? He sure is. Now therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I've showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my Father's house. And give me a true token. Give me something to go by to know that you're going to hold to your word. And that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, our life for yours. What a testimony for anybody to, to be able to state even as a Christian. Uh, if ye utter not this our business and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall. You hearing that? Her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. I've heard a lot of descriptions, but one commentator truly believes that one, one thing we do know is that there were two walls that went around the city of Jericho, and they were about 15 feet apart from each other. If you could get, a, you know, if you held them off in the first wall, they still have a second wall. Uh, that they have to scale and get over and so forth. One commentator is truly convinced that what they would do to increase the housing space in that area, they would lay large planks from one of the walls and flop them way down over onto the other secondary wall and, and have them laid out across a, a certain span and they would build houses on the wall. I don't know which one it is. The Bible doesn't make it crystal clear to us. <clears throat> but I thought it was an interesting idea how uh, her house was upon the wall there, okay? So, um, let's see. Should have put my finger where I was. Verse 13, save my father and mother and sister and save them alive from their death. Verse 14, and the man, uh, the man answered her, our life for yours. If you utter not this our business and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land, we'll deal kindly and truly with thee. Then, then she let them down by a cord through the window for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves three days till the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless 
of this thine oath which, uh, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou, hast, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, <clears throat> his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. We'll be guiltless, in other words. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. Can you see her running over to that window in her house and dropping that line back out quickly to make sure it was secure and it was very visible from where she was? And they went and came unto the mountain and abode there three days till the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. And we'll pray there. Thank you, Lord. It's another privilege to be back in church tonight. And God, how we pray and ask for your blessing on um, this message tonight. Father, I would ask for the hand of the Lord to be upon me. I pray the anointing of God would be on the service. May the Spirit of God speak to our hearts and carry your word into the soul of everyone here tonight. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> can you see and understand? Of course, you want to go over and read in the book of Hebrews. You can see and understand Rahab is in, um, is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Um, it, it's an amazing story how God in his providence and the grace and mercy of God would take a woman as sinful as she is and yet demonstrate how great the grace of God can be in the life of somebody to purify them to the point that even Jesus Christ would be willing to be named uh, from the lineage of this woman. Really an amazing story. But do you see and understand here tonight, this lady, if we can put it into today's terms, this lady got saved. I believe she had faith in the Lord, well, in the God Almighty. She didn't understand the Lord Jesus Christ quite to this point yet, but um, she does now, obviously. But I believe she got saved. And I, I like looking at what was it that drove this woman to that faith. What was it that God used to draw her to having such a strong faith in the Lord? And I, I like to look at it here tonight. First of all, what drove her to that faith? Look in verse 9 with me again, and I'd like to just read it one more time. She said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you, went on down and described how we heard how you utterly wiped out Sihon and Og, those two giant kings. And uh, verse 11 uh, she said, man, our hearts just melted because, and look at the bottom part of verse 11, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. So 
you can find in those verses, there was something that was bringing that woman along in her faith, obviously. So number one, it was the might and the power of Jehovah God that was moving upon her. It was just the power of a great God. She stood back and she heard the stories. This woman, no doubt being a woman of the night like she was, uh, and had unfortunately had met many men that had traversed and had been in uh, many different places. I have no uh, doubt that stories were told as she would sit around and she would hear the stories of men in the city, maybe even her own family that would tell stories about a great God that had parted the waters of a Red Sea and how uh, a, a people called the Hebrews were able to pass through on dry ground while there were these huge walls of water on either side of them. And I've got an idea. This woman sat back and thought about, wow, what kind of a God can do that? I've heard of gods that are in the heavens, but I don't know a God that comes to the earth and does the kind of things like that God has done for them. And then the stories begin to progress. And those were old time stories. And as far as she was concerned, maybe that was just an old fable until they came across the river from where she was. And now the headline news is Sihon is dead. And it's because of the God of the Hebrews. And then Og, the other great king on the other side of the river, is now dead. And this is very recent news to her. And she's stopping and saying, this is no longer a legend. This is something that's living and alive in my day and age. And there's a great God that's in heaven that is also willing to come and show his mighty hand here uh, on this earth. So in verse 10, she states with great clarity the message of how God had dried up the Red Sea and how, again, this Og, I think it was either Og or Sihon, one of them was still of uh, the giants. He, he was no doubt a giant man. Some of the descriptions in the Bible describes him. And between these two kings, guys, uh, they possessed 4,500 square miles of property. They were no small kingdoms. And for this new uh, tribe of people just to come strolling into our territory and to wipe those guys out, it's an amazing story. And then she heard, they're going to be coming into our land as well. And she thought, oh my goodness. And all the men around her, when they would tell the story, she could even see her daddy holding a coffee cup and how his hand would tremble as he would talk about the Hebrews that are on the other side of the river and how strong soldiers would hear the story. Their knees would begin to shake and to tremble. She began to realize there's something very, very real here. There was a spirit about these stories that began to work not just in her mind, but, but began to work down into this woman's heart as she began to understand the, the might of a great and mighty God and to realize just how big God really is um, in this world. So the first thing that drove Rahab to faith in the Lord was the greatness of God. Every person, if I can say this, every person who comes to faith in God, guys, you got to at least start there. If you're going to get saved, you got to stop and understand that we serve a great and a mighty God. There is a great God, not only in heaven, but in this earth below as well. You've got to come to a place where you believe in that God. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God, please listen to this, must, number one, believe that He is. And then number two, that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You not only have to believe there is a God, 
but there, that God is also a rewarder. He answers prayers. And when uh, somebody calls upon the name of that Lord, that God moves in the lives of men. You have to come to a place where um, you believe in that God and that that God is real. I remember walking across the street. Um, uh, remember, I've told you about this before, but my neighbor across the street, um, his first name starts with a G and it ends in Ordy. So I guess I'd tell you his name is Gordy. But, <clears throat> and I remember him working on his house. He was on his knees. It was a Saturday and the next day was Easter. And I, I, I said, hey, Gordy. Uh, yeah. He's like 80, 78. And uh, I said, so, you know, tomorrow's Easter, right? Yeah. I'll just come to see if you wanted to go to church with us tomorrow. Man, he dropped the tool he was working with and looked up at me and said, no. And I'm not kidding. The words idiot was written across the top of his forehead, just planted right at me. And what makes you think I'd want to go to church with you? or to church at all and the only time i've ever seen him in church is when one of our neighbors in the neighborhood has died uh i i just don't see how you can believe that there is a true god in heaven and know that that god works in the lives of men on earth and rewards men on earth and be a god denier like him man i'm praying for him you think to have a word of prayer at night pray for pray for that man that he'd come to faith in christ but i'm praying that he can see god in us some way somehow Number one, what drove her to that faith was the, the, the might and the power of a great God. But number two, here's the other thing, and don't miss this one, guys. You want to win someone to Christ? They need to believe in God for sure. But number two, her condemnation drove her to uh, that faith as well. I mean, when Jericho and more especially Rahab heard that uh, those two mighty kings were easily wiped out by the Lord God of Israel... She told him right there in those verses 9 through 11, she said, our hearts melted. I mean, have you ever been there in such fear where you can't even think straight? You're so scared about something that's in your life or that is right before you or a life-threatening situation. She said, our hearts have just, they just melted. And don't miss this. They realized that they were doomed and condemned to death hopeless in and of themselves and that there was nothing they were going to be able to do about this this enemy that was coming after them it came very obvious to her it struck her heart and mind i can't do anything about this and we are doomed we are the word is condemned and that's where she finally got to they knew they were dead men walking verse 11 again we, as soon as we heard those words our hearts did melt Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. She knew that the one true God was dead set against her people and their sinful ways. By the way, you do, you do know that's why God wanted all those nations just wiped out. Because of the wickedness of their land and the idols that they worshipped and what they did with their children and on and on you can go. And God's wrath was filled up and was ready for them to be wiped out and she knew she was in the crowd of those that were ready to be destroyed. She knew she was going to lose everything, including her life and her whole family. So she began to plead for mercy for, from these spies. So guys, listen to this. When somebody comes to saving faith in Christ, it's really important that you get this. They need to know what they're being saved from. They, 
in order for somebody to want to come to Christ, I mean, can you imagine Rahab, all right? Um, You know, she's there in her city, and, and we've got these two fortified walls, and life is good, and we've got all the food we'll need in here for years. These guys are never going to be able to get to us. Can you, um, can you imagine, though she may have known that he was God of gods, but she just felt, felt real secure with where she was in life uh, and had no real idea that really condemnation was really coming uh, to take her away. Do you really think she would have done what she did with the two spies if she felt very secure with where she was in life? I don't think she would. I think it took her understanding her condemnation and the soon coming death and that there was nothing she could do about it uh, to, to bring her to the place to realize, man, I've got to find this God if he just will show me mercy. And if she understands her condemnation, she knows what she needs to be saved from, it's one easy step to turn around and, and know what you're being saved to, to a holy God. And she came to that place, and she came to realize, I'm condemned. And we're, if I can use the wording of a lost man, we're lost here where we're at. We're doomed, and we have no hope whatsoever. And, uh, and so I, I, I don't want to stand before these people as they come to meet us this way. I don't want to stand condemned. Something has to change that, you understand? That when these people come uh, to me, there's got to be something different about me if I, my life is going to be spared and saved. So she saw the might of God in her hopeless condition, and that drove her to faith in the Lord. God's purpose for the visit, I love this, God's purpose for the visit of the spies to Jericho included a whole lot more than securing military information. Listen, a sinful woman was there whom God in his grace purposed to spare from the judgment soon to fall on the city. And God dealt with her heart with many conditions. She saw how lost they were, condemned they were, and how great he was. And that drew her to faith in that God. You want to lead someone to Christ, they've got to come to the same place. They've got to come to recognize that there is a God and that he is a rewarder. God will answer our prayers. And I'm condemned to a devil's hell and turn to that God for salvation with that faith. Here's Here's the thing that excites me tonight. How did she demonstrate that faith? Well, first, we can see numbers of things that she did. You can name them if you read through the chapter again. You see all the things she did to demonstrate that faith. First, she willingly hid the spies. Look there in verse 4 again. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. So in other words, those guys come running in. Hurry, uh, can, can we come and get in your house? Yeah, quickly, come in here. And, and she went on and, as you know, hid them under the flax and, and so forth. Can I just say to you that that is faith living and breathing. Now, you, you already know that she believed in the God and she knew she was condemned. And she'd come to, I really believe in my heart, she had come to that God. And now she's demonstrating that faith by her actions. She gets busy. I mean, it was living and breathing faith in action. James, listen to this. You know those verses in James chapter 2 and verse 26? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And then earlier in that uh, same chapter, James said this in chapter 2 and verse 18, 
Yea, a man may say thou hast faith, and I have works. You show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. And that's what Rahab did. Uh, She didn't know all this. She didn't realize, well, I'm going to demonstrate my faith, buddy. But her faith was alive and well. And she began to demonstrate that faith in so many ways. What an encouragement to us here tonight, guys. Let's follow her along just a little bit. They say the proof's in the pudding. And uh, uh, for true faith, the proof's in living out what we say is, is in our heart, without a doubt. So next she demonstrated her faith by hanging the scarlet cord out her window. Look there in verse 18 again. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. Now go down to verse 21. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And buddy, I'm guaranteeing you as quickly as she could, she bound the scarlet line in the window. If that had been me, knowing that uh, Israel could come across any time, I want to get that scarlet thread out the window. I want there to be, I could hear her probably thinking this in her heart, I want them to know who I am, and I want them to know how they can know who I am. She was not afraid of a scarlet line out the window. Man, oh man, guys, we ought not to be ashamed of the testimony of the blood of Jesus Christ that saves us from our sins and let the world know just where we stand. But you're so different, there's not anybody else around with the scarlet line out their window and there's not a whole lot of Christians like you trying to live the life we live but they need to know uh, what God has done for us so you can see that this was a symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from our sins Christ's blood is what guarantees our cleansing and our forgiveness and it's also what God will be looking for guys when he separates the lost from the saved question tonight I know it's a Sunday night service but do you have the blood of Jesus Christ on the doorpost of your heart? Amen? Sure. If, if you don't, you need to get that settled. She was not ashamed for that to be her identifying marker for her saviors when they came to deliver her. It would be clear. And a third way she demonstrated her faith was by, and boy, oh boy, this is the one that brought me under more conviction. Here's another way she demonstrated her faith by showing a burden and compassion for the salvation for her family. Can you look at that again in verses 12 and 13? Can you hear that? I just somehow I just sense this little tremble in her voice. Now therefore I pray you in verse 12, swear unto me by the Lord since I've showed you kindness, that you'll also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that you'll save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. I mean, she not only believed that God was God, but her faith in that God stirred her to want to see her mom and dad and her brothers and sisters saved from the destruction that was surely coming. Man, how that ought to speak to our heart. Remember the rich man in hell? that stood alongside of Lazarus on earth until they both died. And remember how it took him going to hell for him to have a burden for his brothers? Can you send somebody to be a testimony to to my brethren? I believe I have five brethren there. Somebody go from the dead and be a testimony and a witness to them. But he gained a burden and a compassion too late. He was already in eternity. And I'm just saying, guys, tonight, God give us some people that are 
as burdened as Rahab was for her mom and daddy and her brothers and sisters uh, and, and all that they had, who knows, nephews and nieces that possibly they were allowed to cram that little room uh, uh, on the wall and fill that room with her uh, family. God help us to have the same compassion that that woman had to see her family saved from the destruction that was soon to come. And, and may we be as concerned about, and I don't know if you have a mom or a dad that's not saved yet. I know my wife gave her heart and soul to her mother this uh, several months ago. We sat in her uh, in her little living room, and I, you, I've told you the story. I tried to witness to her, and she just shut me down right now. Was not about to let me share the gospel with her. She was waiting on me to unload on her, and it didn't take much more than uh, just slightly getting into it. And please don't go there. And my wife turned to her and began to weep and to cry and say, Mom, I came here for your surgery. But I didn't come here for your surgery, number one. I came here because of your soul. And it was one of the heartbreakingest things I sat and watched. Uh, my wife begging in tears that her mother would believe in a holy God, that there's a God in heaven that wants to reward men on this earth. There's a condemnation that's coming to you. And she tried to tell her about a devil's hell and the reality of that and begged her that she would get saved. That's what Rahab was trying to do. God help us to come back to a place if we have a mom or a dad that our heart is broken for those who have gone astray. Somebody says, but they act so strange and odd and I just don't like being around my brother or my sister or my cousins or, or you know, my relatives or my neighbors that are next to me. Are, are you trying to say they act like lost people? Somebody's got to get a difference in their lives. I mean, are we so ashamed that we pulled the red cord back in so we just try to look like everybody else in the world and, and our testimony is hidden from the rest of the world? May God help us to have the testimony that we have a burden and a passion once again for the souls of people around us. And, um, and I have been saying it the last several weeks, especially God's really been pressing on my heart. Guys, we got to get busy in our city trying to bring souls to Christ, bringing folks to the house of God I'll ask you, did you invite anybody to come to church this week? Did you have any anticipation that maybe somebody I invited might come to church? You say, oh, no, I didn't invite anybody. And we had all week long? And we know the condemnation that's coming? And we know what's going to happen to them, guys? We have to have at least the passion and the kind of faith in action. You say you have faith. Well, I'll show you my faith by my works. Rahab didn't know that verse, but she lived it out. It was burning on her heart, and she desired with all of her heart and soul, I don't want to see my mom and daddy destroyed like Sihon and Og and all the other men that were destroyed over there who would not believe in your God. I believe in your God with all my heart, and I want my family to be saved with me. God help us to have the passion that a woman in the Old Testament whose story still rings in the hearts of everybody that would read the Word of God today. Give us that passion that rung in her heart. I love to sing the song. I love to tell the story. It will be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love. I love to hear it sung. But I think God would rather see somebody go out and tell the old, old story a thousand times over than to just hear somebody 
sing the song. If you had a carpenter, if you were the carpenter and you needed to hire a worker, and the worker said, I'm a good guy, I nailed those nails in good, I can saw like the, the, the best of them. The guy comes to work and sits down on a stool and sings songs about sawing wood and hammering nails. And that's all he ever does. How long is he going to last on the job? God help us to pick back up the hammer and the saw and get back out doing what God has called us to do. Guys, we're definitely at a time in our world where Christians need to demonstrate their faith. I'll probably use this story once a year. I just love to read it. I even went on Snopes and found out it's true (laughs) because I'd like, this couldn't have happened. Several years ago, this person writing the story says, I heard the story of Larry Walters, a 33-year-old man who decided he wanted to see his neighborhood from a new perspective. He went down to the local army surplus store one morning and bought 45 used weather balloons. Just a, kind of a funny story to me. That afternoon, he strapped himself into a lawn chair. Oh, my goodness. To which several of his friends tied the now helium-filled balloons. He took along his favorite drink, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, amen, and a BB gun, figuring he would just shoot the balloons one at a time when he was ready to come down. Walters, who assumed the balloons would lift him up about 100 feet in the air, was caught off guard when the chair soared more than 11,000 feet. It's a true story. 11,000 feet into the sky. Can you guys imagine that? Oh, my goodness. There goes the geese. His chair soared more than 11,000 feet into the sky. Smack into the middle of the air traffic pattern at Los Angeles International Airport. Too frightened to shoot any of the balloons. (laughs) He stayed airborne for more than two hours. Oh my word, can you imagine that? Um, Forcing the airport, now this is the part I couldn't find out if it was true or not. Forcing the airport to shut down its runways for much of the afternoon causing long delays in flights across the country because of a guy in a lawn chair up in the sky. Soon after he was safety grounded and cited by the police, reporters asked three questions to him. Number one, were you scared? What do you think the answer was? Yes. Didn't bring any diapers with me. Number two, would you do it again? No. Here's the third one. Why did you do it? And listen to his answer. Because he said, you can't just sit there. I guess you're sitting in the backyard and all you're doing is sitting there. I guess you better do something about it, amen? One of my favorite stories. 
But you know how true what he said really was. You can't just sit there. God's not asking us to tie 45 helium-filled balloons to our bodies and shoot up into the sky and hold up signs, believe on Jesus, you know. But God is saying to us tonight, guys, you can't just sit there. We can't. We've got to get busy. Why do you think God put stories like that in the Bible? Because they're so neat to sit around and tell to the kids. They just love those stories. What do you mean the kids? I love them too, man. But the truth is, it's to be a ringing testimony of somebody's faith who placed faith in a great God and avoided condemnation and put that faith into action. And you know the rest of the story. We're going to get into it next week. How, yes, her mom and her dad and her family got saved from the condemnation and that destruction that was to come. God help us to be stirred tonight to realize there's a, there's a world out there waiting on us to go out there to try to bring them into the household of faith so that when the wrath of God falls on this earth, they'll be in the household of faith with a scarlet red cord hanging out the window as a testimony that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed them from their sin. Who do you have that needs to hear your testimony? Which one of your relatives, which one of your neighbors is still just waiting to hear your, your story? I remember, man, a lot of years ago, Curtis Hudson told the story. I believe it was Curtis Hudson told the story of, a, of uh, going on um, either him or another pastor friend of his had gone on visitation. They had a revival service was going to go on, much like you guys are having. And, and I think this, the, the guest uh, evangelist said, let's go do some door knocking. And, and he said, let's just start right here in your neighborhood of the church. And, and two or three doors down from the church, they just got started knocking and a man answered the door and invited them in. They got to go in, the evangelist and the, the pastor of the church. Uh, and uh, they sat down and he said, hey, you know, they broke the ice. And they said, can we tell you, the, tell you a story from the Bible? And they did. And it stirred the heart of that man. And that man uh, bowed his head and received Christ as his Savior. It was a glorious time. The guy was two or three doors down from the church. There he sat all that time. And the man uh, looked up and the, and the evangelist said, man, we rejoice with you. We're so excited for you. And the man said, I, I live three doors from the church. And he said, I've been waiting on the pastor to come and visit me for a long time. I've lived here for many years. And I've just been waiting to get a, a call from him, an invitation to come and visit church with him just never got one the pastor dropped his head and uh, they went out and they were able to rejoice that uh, the gentleman had gotten saved but I wonder how many people like that are just waiting on you to tell them about a great God and a condemnation that is to come and bring them to the Lord We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.